today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You worry like you don't have a Father in Heaven who cares about you and loves you and is going to provide for you. Listen, if you need it, He'll provide it. That's a given. If you need it, He will provide it. Now here's the problem. It's not in the way we think, and it's certainly not when we think, because if the truth be made known, we want what we want when we want it. But God doesn't operate on our time. It's His time, and His timing is always perfect. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Timothy. Do you wrestle with having a spirit of worry? Do you constantly wonder where the things you need will come from? Today, Pastor J.D. will encourage you with this. If you need it, the Lord will provide it. It may not always be when or how you expect, but He knows your heart and needs better than anyone, so you can trust Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 9 has the why behind the what as it relates to the love of money. Notice Paul says that it starts with the temptation, and it's a trap. It's this trap of wanting to get rich. Right there you have a problem, because it it presupposes, it has at its core this belief, this notion that if I had that, then I'll be content and happy. And you can fill in the blanks. See, contentment does not come when I get that or this. My contentment is not predicated on getting more. In fact, I would argue the opposite is true. The more you get, the more discontent you are. And he who loves money never has money enough, the proverb says. Oh, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And it's seductive, and it's intoxicating. The pursuit of money because of the love of money. It's a temptation, and it's a trap. This wanting to get rich. And here's what happens. It plunges people into foolish desires, ruin, and destruction. Why? This is one of those places where I think it is very important to ask the why question. Okay, Lord, when you're reading Scripture, there's oftentimes that time when you need to say, okay, why, Lord, did this passage rise to the level of being included in the pages of Holy Writ. It's here for a reason. I know that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's given for a reason. Sometimes it's for instruction. Sometimes it's for rebuke. I don't like that part. You know, we talk about searching the Scriptures. Well, when you search the Scriptures, the Scriptures search you too. You think about it like that? 
You get into the Word, the Word gets into you. You know, we uh, study the Scriptures, but the truth of the matter is the Scriptures are studying us. And God, through His Word, will put His finger on that place in our hearts because He sees the heart. He knows the heart. We don't. We only look at the outward appearance. He knows what's in our heart. And He knows when we have a divided heart. A divided heart is roommates with a double mind, being double-minded. And I'll explain that more in a moment. But see, this is the problem because here's money over here, getting rich over here, and then here's the Lord over here. And it's a constant struggle between the two. And I love the proverb that says basically this, this is a a paraphrase, what you pursue will pursue you. By the way, Lord willing, next week the Apostle Paul is going to continue as he writes to Timothy and say, flee this, but pursue this instead. I love that. You'll find that oftentimes in God's Word where God will say, flee this, pursue this instead. Because what happens is what you pursue will pursue you. You start this pursuit, this insatiable pursuit and quest to get rich. (laughs) It's not long before what you pursue is fast pursuing you. And that's where the trap comes in. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. This is to me, well of course it's the well-known and famous Sermon on the Mount. One has humorously referred to it as the Sermon on the Amount, because it's dealing with this matter of earthly mammon, money, possessions. Kind of interesting actually, all the way through to the end of chapter 6, Jesus is actually providing the cure for worry. Are you a worrier? I've confessed very openly that I'm a recovering worryaholic. I have a PhD in worry, by the way. I'll have you know. I mean, I got really good at it. God's doing a profound work in my life. I'm (laughs) so grateful by the grace of God. He's delivered me from my worry, my anxiety, but man, I could worry right up there with the best of them. And I got so good at it that when I would run out of things to worry about in my own life, I'd ask you if there's something I could worry about for you. I mean, I was really good at it. 1995, since I'm waxing nostalgic, (laughs) when I was, you know, in the business world, I was closing out at the end of the year my books. And I in my devotional, created a list of 95 things I worried about in 1995. Oh, pastor, you're right. You really did worry. Yeah, 95 things. And how did I get that list of 95? From my prayer list. Oh my goodness, all those sleepless nights. I just went back through my prayer list and my prayer journal. I'm going, I worried about that. Yeah. Oh, it didn't come to pass. I know. 
almost makes you mad. You know, it's kind of like, I wasted all that time worrying about this and it never happened. Yeah. Do you realize that about 90% of what you worry about never happens? <laughs> Some of you are going, you worriers. And again, you know who you are. You're going, wait, what about the other 10%? It's going to happen. I know it. Oh, wait, <laughs> the other 10% of what you worry about that does happen, God gives you that all-sufficient grace at the time you need it. And it's never as bad as you fashioned it in your imagination and your mind. And isn't it interesting how when it comes to worry, you paint this, I mean, unthinkable, horrific scenario. And here's the thing with worry. It takes those two words, what if, what about? And you start filling in those blanks. And the devil is all too ready to take you down the road of worry as far as he can into the future. And isn't it true that we worry about the future? What does the future hold? What am I going to do? What if, what about? And Satan's right there, I know, what are you going to do? I know this is bad. I know it's really bad. By the time you're done with it, you've taken something that God's already going to take care of. And you've made it this monumental, massive, you know, scenario. You're like, this is how it ends. It's it. I'm never going to make it. <laughs> like the Lord's going, what are you doing? Why are you doing that to yourself? I've heard it said that one minute worrying is one minute wasted. Paul in Philippians says, worry about nothing. It's in the double negative, if I'm saying it correctly. It's more like this, don't worry about a thing, not one single thing. And Jesus here in Matthew 6 is giving us the cure for worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. If God's going to take care of that bird that you look up in the air. Do you see that bird building barns to stuff worms in it to provide for that? Do you see him worried about that? No. And he, and he points to the flowers. You can just picture Jesus on the hillside there on the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful. Probably in the spring, all the flowers are blooming. He points to the flowers. He said, look at that flower. Do you see that flower spinning, freaking out? <gasps> What am I going to wear? I wore this last week. What are you talking about? <laughs> Even Solomon wasn't clothed as spectacularly and splendidly as this little flower. And here's the thing, by the way, how much more valuable are you than that flower? I mean, that flower is here today, gone tomorrow. How about that bird? How much more valuable are you than that bird? So why are you worrying? You worry like you don't have a Father in heaven who cares about you and loves you and is going to provide for you. Listen, if you need it, He'll provide it. That's a given. If you need it, He will provide it. Now here's the problem. It's not in the way we think, and it's certainly not when we think, because if the truth be made known, we want what we want when we want it. But God doesn't operate on our time. It's His time, and His timing is always perfect. God is never late. He's never early either, by the way. And truth be known again, you don't want Him to be early. His timing is always perfect. 
So here in verse 19, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where the IRS, I'm sorry, thieves break in and steal. That's the JDV, pardon me. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He doesn't say it the other way around. He doesn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. No. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Uh, where's your heart? Well, right now it's kind of conflicted. It's kind of divided. It's kind of split in two. Oh, he's going to talk about that right now. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one, verse 24, can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Notice he didn't say, you should not. No, you cannot. It's either one or the other. It's an impossibility. You're either serving the one or you're serving the other. You cannot serve both. Notice there's this two treasures, two visions, and two gods. And what Jesus is saying is, you can't have both. It's either one or the other. Either you have treasures on earth that are accessible and vulnerable to thieves and rust, or you have treasures in heaven where nothing touches it. Or you have your eye, your eye is good, or your eye is evil. It's not both, it's either or. Or you're serving God, or you're serving money. Stay with me on this. The one who is serving money will know they are serving money when money and possessions are the master passion of their life. In other words, that which I think about the most, that which I spend the most amount of time on, that's my God. That's my God. If the master passion of my life, the pursuit of my life, is to lay up treasures on earth, money's my God. I'll say it again, it's not what you have, it's what has you. What has you? What occupies you? What gets you excited? What is it that you think about the most? What is it that you devote the most time to? That's your God. You're serving whatever that is, and you fill in the blank. 
So, what's the answer? Well, in verse 33 of chapter 6, Jesus says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. When Jesus is in His rightful place on the throne of your heart, but when we replace Him, and instead of Him, put another God, then, again, you can write the next chapter in that book. Don't you find it interesting that since this whole thing struck, that all of these gods, the God of sports, the God of business, the God of money, I mean, you can just go down the list. Everything was basically taken away. I'm just reminded, and I'll close with this. You know, when God says, and it's really the first and second commandment, don't have any other gods before me. And don't make for yourself any images and bow down and worship them. And never imagine it like God saying, because I'm God and I told you so, thou shalt not. It's been rightly said that sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Think of the Ten Commandments, as one said, as the tender commandments from a loving, tender, heavenly Father, who basically says to us, whom He loves more than words could ever describe. He loves us so much, and He says to us, don't have any other gods, those are no gods at all. They don't love you, they're not going to be there for you. Why are you bowing down and worshiping them? That's not a god. You have to take care of that God. I am God. I'll take care of you. Remember the Ninevites and the Philistines? They worship this half man, half fish God. The Philistines called him Dagon. And there's this fascinating account where the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. This was the Ark of the Covenant where the Shekinah glory of God was. And the Philistines capture it. And they made a huge mistake when they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the temple of their false god, this Dagon god. Half man, half fish. So they go to bed, wake up the next morning, come out, and there is their god on its face, on the ground. It fell over right in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Perfect. And it's like arms and stuff, and the head, it broke. You know you got a problem when your God's head and arms break. So they put it back up, and they put it back together. You know you really got a problem when you got to put your God back together. And they do it again, and sure enough, the next morning, <laughs> it's down on its face. Dagon it. <laughs> I don't know, that's not where the name came from, but... So they got rid of the Ark of the Covenant. 
Jonah, I bring him up because they worship this same God, which if you think about it, that's why God did what he did with Jonah. You know the story, you know how it went down. <laughs> Literally, he runs from God. God has a big fish swallow him up. And then you'll forgive the graphic nature of it, but it's actually what happens. So this big fish barfs up Jonah on the beach. This is another one of those places where you have to ask the why question. So here's this man who's been bathed in the stomach acids. He's probably white, his hair bleached white from the stomach acid of that fish. This literally happened, okay? And here's this guy on the beach saying judgment is coming. You wonder why the Ninevites repented and got saved. And by the way, Jonah was really angry at God for that. He didn't even preach the gospel. There was no hope. It was like, in 40 days you're going to burn. God is going to torch you, and I'm going to go up here and watch. I can't wait. And they repent. It's like Jonah's going, what are you doing? God, they, you can't, no. Yeah. What's the matter, Jonah? I love them. And they got saved. Listen, if I'm a Ninevite, and I worship a God that is half man and half fish, and a fish barfs a man out and says, judgment's coming. You got my attention. That's the why. I know that's humorous, but it's true. What's my point? My point is, is that God is the true and living God. And when God says, don't have any other gods, which are no gods at all, He says that because He loves us so much that when the time comes, only He will be there for us. Those gods can't. They are idols made of wood and stone. He is the true and living God. These are not gods. And yet man worships them to their own peril. And isn't that the case when it comes to money? Don't you find it interesting that the Apostle Paul would end verse 10 by saying that those who do are, they pierce themselves through with so much grief and so much sorrow. They do so to their own peril when they realize, they come to that realization where I've been pursuing this and look what happened. I heard one say it like this, we climb the ladder of success only to realize that the ladder was up against the wrong wall. Here we reach the top. We say lonely at the top. You know, it's all a big rat race. As one said it, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.